Hello! Thank you for joining another episode of The Maximum Project. Today's guest is Prithvi Raj. Prithvi is a product developer at Kadabums Group, a mental healthcare organization based in India. Prithvi and I first met after a guest lecture at Christ University, where he and his teammates uh, cornered me after class to workshop some ideas for Indest, a student-run NGO that Prithvi founded in high school. After finishing his undergraduate degree in mass media, literature and psychology, Prithvi began focusing on mental health and now combines his interest in technology, culture, social work and entrepreneurship through his work with Calibums and beyond. His insatiable curiosity, commitment to a cause not forced on him by circumstance and innate ability to lead with calmness and perspective drew me to ask him on the podcast. In this conversation, we talk about the relationship between the environment and the individual, views on mental health, the need to follow what tickles your heart, and also how you can handle consuming a bit too much content on social media. It's a wide-ranging chat, so stick it on, leave it on the background, and do your thing. Enjoy this chat with Prithviraj. Let's get started. Different roads. Different roads. One finale. What's this malarkey about anyway? Well, here's the deal. No one has the game figured out, and everyone's slicing the pie their own way. Welcome to the Maximum Project, where we find out how you can hack it the way you were meant to. Step into the unknown with confidence as we speak to all sorts to get the inside scoop on what makes them tick. Chats. Chats. Insights only on TMP. All so you can make the most of you. Let's let's get maximum. Prithvi, we're on. Hello. To the show. It's a really early morning, <laughs> and I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> nice Feels great. 7:30 a.m. I know, and we've been talking about this for some time. In fact, uh, you're one of the first people I spoke to before I started the podcast. Oh, <laughs> and um, we'd had a chat about how I should do it and what would add value. And it was a very useful chat where you talked about me trying to focus on having conversations that interest me, right. and then getting caught up in audiences and things of that sort later. That's right. So that was really helpful. And um, I then mentioned I wanted to mm-hmm. get you on the podcast. So <laughs> it's really cool that you're on here. How many episodes has it been already? We've had. I assume you listen to every single one twice, but uh, six so <laughs> six so far, and uh, you you are the seventh. Sweet, yes. it feels great to be here. I'm glad you're here. So you know, we met uh, at Christ after a guest lecture. You and your team came up to me to ask me some ideas about right. Indest, which we'll get right. into shortly, uh, and then I hosted a mental health conclave that yeah. you guys ran. We've been in touch since for a, variety, you know, for a variety of reasons. But what I want to start talking about is what got you interested in mental health as a cause and as an issue? Um, I got interested in mental health only in uh, my undergrad. Uh, up until mm-hmm. then, I don't think I paid a lot of heat to it. I wasn't really uh, very keen on it or didn't pay it a lot of importance in the first hand. 
uh, while in the university, I think in my uh, second year of undergrad, to be precise, uh, that's also when I uh, started seeing some of my own friends, some of my own classmates uh, coming to the class with cuts on the wrists and, uh, the, and, and no one would talk to them about it. I, I would feel very surprised that, hey, that's, a, that's one of us uh, indulging in self-harm. And w- why is that we're all pretending that we don't see it? Or why is that we all don't walk up to them and talk to them about it? Um, because, I mean, I wouldn't generalize and say nobody spoke to them about it. Maybe somebody spoke to them about it and it's just that we weren't aware. But um, the fact that uh, we we would all consider that to be a very hush-hush uh, uh, or a private matter that us talking to them about it might disturb them or might trigger them further. Um, I, I didn't really feel that it was supposed to be that way. I thought if... It's ubiquitous, right? I, I don't see it in just a couple of them. I see it in so many of us. I see so many of us uh, having a breakdown in the class or so many of us just going into the shell and not wanting to indulge in a conversation with anyone for a long while. And that's very mm-hmm. abnormal because the same person was so lively a month or two ago. Uh, so I thought if if it's this ubiquitous, then it's we're all we're all in it. So maybe this is not something that is to be uh, fought or confronted as individuals, but as a generation, because I think it's it's that wide now. It's that rampant now. So that's when we started the Phoenix Project, where whoever has been through it is going through it. How about we put across their stories? How about we uh, share their stories? And that's when we came across a video series called the Phoenix Project where mm-hmm. we would uh, share stories of students who have confronted mental disorders and have come through it. Um, so that that will spark conversations. We wanted to start off with our video series, then move on to an event series, then be a platform for discussions. And Yeah. Yeah, and I can't imagine what it's like to have the experience in college and you haven't encountered anything like yeah. that before. I'm going to ask you, what do you think... Uh, made in now that you've been in this segment for a while what prevented other people from acknowledging what you found so jarring was it the fact that it was taboo were they scared were they did they have reservations about the issue overall did they have their own concerns something that i realized very recently right uh, some of the things that you think about or experience when you're alone and you think maybe I'm the only person who's thinking about this, and then you talk to one more person, and you realize everyone else has been thinking about it. <laughs> it's it's very it's it's a very similar thing here. It's uh, I was not the only one who found it jarring. I just happened to be the one who found it jarring and spoke to someone else about it, because many of us also found it jarring, but just left it there, left it at a, left it at thought. Right, and. You had this conversation with your classmates first, and then they decided to get involved. That's right. Fair enough. And how did Indest begin? Tell me a bit more about that. What's the story behind the name, and what was the idea? <laughs> right. Uh, so this was back in my high school. So I did my high school in a um, residential uh, school. So this was in Mysore, a huge. 400 acres, sorry, huge 70 acres campus, which is 400 students. And uh, there was a lot of time in our hands. <laughs> and we had uh, <laughs> way too much energy to channel that into. And 
uh, ninth grade, uh, Vidyashala was the school's name. And so uh, I, I, we had a dining sessions. Mm-hmm. After lunch, after dinner, we would walk out of the dining hall, uh, all of us, and we would go back to our rooms or we would go back to play table tennis or go back to the class to uh, read something. On the way uh, out of the dining hall is a huge notice board. A huge notice board where the management used to uh, put up articles, we used to put up posts. And uh, they had been doing this for a while and they were very disappointed that nobody would read them. And uh, one of our correspondents who uh, runs the institution uh, walked up to us and said, why do you not read the articles? Do you not find them interesting? We mm-hmm. spend a lot of time curating those articles. We find those articles, print them and put them up there. Uh, I, I don't know why we don't read the articles because we've just finished our lunch. We're looking forward to a game of table tennis. Why would we stop in between and read an article? So that's when... Um, we proposed to him that how about we write an article mm-hmm. instead of you putting up an article, how about we write an article? Um, so somewhere deep down, we knew that we can strike a chord with this audience because we know this audience in and out. Uh, that's when three of us got together and, 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 and said, Let, let's, let's write some articles around. So we spoke to uh, some of our batchmates, some of our juniors and seniors and, and tried to figure out what could be interesting to them and something that would sync with us as well. So we started writing about uh politics and philosophy <laughs> and we would not print these because we want to stand out from all other articles on the notice board we would handwrite these with uh pens of different colors so that would really catch their attention so we would write the handwrite these articles put them up on notice board two days three days uh later we found around 50 to 60 students standing outside the notice board after dining session reading those articles and i'm like damn we have an audience now uh that's when we realized this is working out so we kept doing this for a while. And when we realized that we, we have an audience that we have tapped into, I thought, how about we turn these uh, turn the readership into a campaign or in, let's engage with them. Uh, that's when we started doing campaigns inside the campus where mm-hmm. uh, there's an article, there's, there's a, another A3 sheet with, um, with Rose Captain. So the campaign was... Uh, every day we used to go to grounds to work out twice. So from our school building to the grounds is a good two kilometer walk. Uh, doing do, that two kilometer stretch is when uh, students would eat some snacks or eat some chocolates and just throw the wrappers around. So we said that stretch every day, if you can pick up those wrappers or pick up that garbage and put it in the bin at the end of the road, uh, you can come. You get to come and sign here. So we saw that the signatures started increasing on that notice board from say around just five to 25, 30 of them signing and we would change the sheet every day. If they're doing it every day, they come and sign it. So this became uh, a ritual for many of us where we would mm-hmm. do this and come and sign on the notice board before the dining session. So that kicked, so that kicked off. And that's when we started taking up more campaigns, bigger campaigns and the institution was supportive. Yeah, and the way the name Indus came into being. Uh, we, uh, before we started the notice board article series, we realized we need a name, but our creativity was only so much. So uh, <laughs> we had to come up with a name. So we were, we were trying to do a, uh, a wordplay with indestructible because that's the youth of the country. And we wanted to have India in the name. 
and okay so it's it's it's, it's an amalgam of uh, these two ideas and indus came into being that, that is a fascinating story you know what's always interested me about you is you tell these extraordinary stories like it's just something banal people do with their day and it always cracks me up a little bit <laughs> um but one thing that stands out to me about you is if you see something that can be made better um it's something you take upon yourself to contribute to at least in the things that i've interacted with you about mm-hmm. and the second is the way you contribute efficiency is just as important as creativity it's not going to be one instagram right. reel about seven things mental health needs you know it's going to be an idea that has some kind of scale so talk to me a bit more about this uh, it is a digression from the talking points that mm-hmm. we've spoken about in the past yeah but where does this curiosity and desire for responsibility come from is it inherent was it from your upbringing what were your influences let's go through anything you'd like to i'm thinking about this for the first time so <laughs> uh it, i find it surprising too because a lot of the times uh when we take up a project uh before we even act on the project at least with uh, my circle of people that i work with we have a scale in mind mm-hmm. we do not want to stop in between uh beat an event or beat a project we have a scale in mind and we want to uh, we want to go behind that scale only to have that impact right now do we do i very consciously take it up as a responsibility to do something better not really i uh, that that's really not the approach uh, that's really not what gets me to do it uh, for different projects the reasons are different uh but mainly why i take something up is because i i see potential in that idea of being uh something that the team that works on it will be proud of at the end of it something that we would look back and say damn we did it that that was amazing it's mm-hmm. mainly self gratification then comes everything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but it, it's really fun right even the process of doing it is has has been has been amazing uh every project that we have taken up so far it's been nearly 4 years now every project that we have taken up so far or every event that we have taken up so far uh, we don't regret any of them primarily because we had a foundation strong in terms of getting the right idea getting the right uh, getting the right cause to talk about and there are so many distractions especially when you're doing this and you have a large team people mm-hmm. come up to you and say hey this is trending can we talk about it can we do a project around this can we do an event around this and you have to say no simply because the moment you start chasing more than what you are passionate about you're going to miss the scale you're going to miss the impact and it's going to have an impact on things that you're already doing so you got to say no to those and stick to the uh, causes and stick to the uh, uh, domains that you are passionate about and deliver the yeah i think not being distracted is so critical because it dissipates energy yeah significantly yeah and i i was reading this in an interview with uh, uh I forgot the name uh one of the chief designers of apple then who's mm-hmm. recently resigned he was saying uh the art of saying no uh jobs would walk up to me and ask and ask me if for this design to come to life 
have you said no to an another ha, have you said how many ideas have you said no to he would say plenty he would say how many ideas of them kept you from sleeping in the night and you still had to say no to that because if you have done that that's when you have put your heart and soul into this design and that really struck a chord with me because saying no to mediocre ideas is really easy but saying no to amazing ideas that you think are life changing but right now you're already working on an idea that you already presume to be life changing now that takes something and you may or may not regret it later but that boosts your confidence in the idea that you're currently working on i think that's so important what you just said uh, i'll tell you what part i found important uh-huh. is the fact that it may or may not cause regret later yeah and i find that that uncertainty is so destructive you know yeah, a lot yeah. of times we make the poorer choice just because it's more certain yeah yeah in, even when it is the suboptimal choice right now your current role oddly enough so you start this project in high school you scale it in your undergraduate uh, college with the focus on mental health and then it moves on to a full time role with a mental health organization with kadabams talk to me a bit about that journey how did that happen and what got you to where you are just now so uh, this was again during the phoenix project the video series that we were working on uh, we were looking for partners to uh, be associated with and i had a long uh, the sponsorship team and the association team had a long list of uh, potential partners that we could partner up with and at the bottom of the list was Cadabums group uh, it was at the bottom of the list predominantly because it was a healthcare institution and we always thought that healthcare institution may or may not be willing to associate with a bunch of students because they are all uh, professionals who are very in the industry so we thought look from the industry it's tough to get someone to associate with students so let's mm-hmm. approach brands so we kept approaching brands it 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 didn't click with the brands and as a last resort is when i uh, approached cadoms group right uh, surprisingly it just took two very short meetings for the association to go through uh, and then the then the association came into being for the phoenix project and then we uh, started interacting uh, more for a couple of more events a couple of more campaigns and then eventually came the mental health conclave which was uh, which which is what uh, uh, both them and us had in mind for a long while and uh, it took nearly 6 months to 8 months to put it together uh, but yeah that happened and after after the mental health conclave was when i had really warmed up to the team we had a good rapport between the teams and i said maybe we can take this beyond the mental health conclave and that's when uh, uh, sandesh uh, who is one of the directors of cadabums group Sandesh and I were talking about uh, an idea called Mind Talk, uh, which is mental healthcare for the uh, for the urban population, uh, and and that got us really interested. And we have been working together so uh, ever since. It's been a year now that we are working mm-hmm. together for Mind Talk and Carbons Group. Oh, so until then you were just doing these events. You weren't working with them full time no, no, until no, then. No, it's it's only after a few months after the mental health conclave. that we mm-hmm. have considered those right you know you talk about how 
uh, approaching brands felt like the logical idea. Whereas in my mind, uh, you working with something a bit more structured, a bit more focused on the cause, on ground, in hindsight, seems like the perfect choice. A lot of your ideas, though, you know. Sorry, what were you saying? No, no, I said, now Now that I think of it, it, it sure sounds it, it sure sounds like a silly idea to approach brands. <laughs> but then, uh, th- then, try to slip into our shoes, right? We are a bunch of students who are doing something about mental health, and we are just one amongst thousands of other organizations who, mm-hmm. who are working for mental health care or mental health awareness. And we felt like, look, we are going to be looked at as one of those thousand tiny organizations who are doing this. So why would mental health professionals ever back us? So brands is a go-to platform. Yeah, and that that's interesting, right? So that perception, I mean, not to suggest that your inference was completely inaccurate, but that perception comes from how we see things to a certain extent in India as well, because there's so many of most things. Yeah. And scale matters. At the end of the day, if I'm an influencer, I'm not even thinking about who I can or can't speak with. Yeah. Because we know that status pays off. I mean, now there's, with tech, there's a slight focus on effectiveness, on quality and things like that. That's right. But scale and status are still inescapable in this country. Right. At the same time, there are so many problems to solve. So it's a haven of opportunities in that sense, right? A lot of the ideas you've had, a lot of the things you do have been influenced by your the environment around you yeah. and your ability to observe it. I mean, for instance, the notice board, just putting up handwritten articles and watching physical viewers. I can't imagine how gratifying that must be to see actual subscribers. Imagine that <laughs> if people took printouts of my newsletter outside my door every day. Um, so the environment's played a significant role in how it shaped your own life and, your, more importantly, your observation of it. How, in your view, do environments affect people? We're so caught up in a culture of individualist success and individualist growth. Is there any escaping the environment? And if there isn't, what's the impact, in your view, of the environment on the individual? Unfortunately, I think there is absolutely no escape from the environment and and i think it's a tragedy very honestly because uh you you're such a different person when in solidarity your thought process is so different your uh, mm-hmm. and, and and very much so right i mean when was the last time maybe you were alone um in a public space not not in your room you were alone in a public space and uh you can listen to music dance around or you can listen to music and just be yourself with the moment there's a single person around or the moment there's there's anybody around your behavior and your thought process changes so drastically predominantly because even even the even the fact that there could be a person around brings in a filter in your thought process where anything that you do you're subconsciously also Mm-hmm. trying to measure what will this elicit from the other person or what will this elicit from anybody around me. And that subconscious process of measuring the potential reaction uh, really makes you a different person. And it's a tragedy because you're living with this thought process the most of your life. The, the Almost the entirety of your day, you're living with this 
uh, thought process or with this filter thought process. Um, now, there, there's simply no escape, like I said. Now, having said that, we got to find ways in which uh, this doesn't take a toll on us because you're interacting with the environment day in, day out, and your environment is constantly giving you feedback and you're, and, and you're uh, validating that feedback. And now you need to um, understand that this constant loop of uh, your action and the feedback for your action um, can mm-hmm. make irreplaceable impact, can have an irreplaceable impact uh, on uh, your thought process and your behavior itself. So your work environment, because you spend the most amount of time there, or your environment at home, or your environment uh, with your with your friends when you hang out, they have tremendous impacts. That's also why you are a different person in different environments, right? Uh, it's super intricate for anybody to comprehend how uh, I can contribute to the environment and how I might be uh, uh, consolidating a particular trait of an environment, but especially in work environments, uh, it's it's re- it's really it's it's it, it can get really tough because you spend so much amount of time there and things like uh, the management styles, things like how you uh, uh, how much your perceived sense of autonomy, your perceived sense of control over your work, uh, and and how much room do you have for creativity? How much room do you have to make a mistake and and let it slide? All of these things matter a lot, right? And while you're in that environment, while you're not even in the management, you can be very subconsciously subconsciously consolidating the entire trait of the environment and you don't even know about it. So it's that intricate and I think the environments matter a lot. Mm-hmm. And any effort towards consciously building an environment, which you know that us as a team doing this will build an environment like this, is has to be really appreciated. Because not a lot of people put efforts into building a good environment. I, but I think every team should be doing that. And could you talk to me a bit more about what you mean by consolidating a trait? What do you mean by that? Hmm. All right, I'll, I'll try to draw some parallels here. Uh, let's say this. Um, if one of the cultures of your team is where you, you have long meetings uh, to a point where you're brain drained, but you still have to sit through the meetings because it's scheduled for that long. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is for one person to bring this up and have a discussion and say, can't be having such long meetings. Uh, but if you are not going to talk about it to your co-workers or your management or just sit through those meetings uh, day in, day out, and if you're one of the old employees, you have better chances of talking to the management. If you sit through those meetings, you are consolidating that culture. You're consolidating that environment where it, where you are going to feel exhausted at the end of the meeting and that's okay. That's how meetings are supposed to be. Yeah. And I think an important point there is we're as much influenced by the environment as we are part of it. You know, I think when you don't make an effort to change something, then you are on some level furthering whatever is happening as it is. Right. Uh, I mean, what I meant there was 
uh, you're hating the environment too you're you're hating that that part of the culture too mm-hmm. uh, but because you're quiet others are also tempted to be quiet and thereby you're consolidating the environment by no means am i trying to blame anybody here yeah. by no means am i trying to say you you're a bad person for doing that all i'm saying is subconsciously you're consolidating that culture of the environment you yeah the more you the more you keep it under the carpet the stronger it's going to grow we talked briefly before this call about some relevant digressions and the things we're talking about it's got me so interested i'll tell you why so the recent the last two years have shown us how important collective responsibility is right right i'm sure there's a lot of social issues have pretty much been a pandemic before but yeah. the personal consequences are not so obvious so it's very easy for me to ignore in india i'm desensitized to the weeping homeless person at a traffic signal the marginalized communities on the streets because it doesn't affect me right and it's easy to harden ourselves but now when we're in a position where a health crisis can actually affect me uh, even though I, you know most of us yeah. spend time chomping on snacks and watching netflix we're suddenly concerned about our respiratory system you know will be able to suck on a joint hard enough and you know it's it's a strange thing but here's what i want to ask you it's a bit of a digression but the ability to care the ability to speak up in a workplace possible in a family difficult sometimes possible in friendships again awkward but possible now in a country that does not celebrate dissent in a country that systematically quashes any sort of opinion do you think given our talk about the environment and the individual do you think that broader context also makes people a bit more passive definitely uh the also depends on which side of uh, the spectrum you are on right because if you're on the if you're on the spectrum if you're on the side of the spectrum where which is uh muffling the dissent then i don't think that would have a negative impact on you, on you maybe it would but <laughs> true but being on the spectrum yeah. where you don't want to be a part of the spectrum but you can't just let go of your ideology so you're going to say look i'm not going to go out there and protest but let me just live my life right it still has mm-hmm. it's is still not spared by it because it's still a part of the environment you know that uh people around you are being muffled you know that people around you are being uh, uh, asked not to speak out then it's going to have an impact mm-hmm. on you because your perceived sense of control is not individualistic you mm-hmm. you're going to match it with your peers you're mm-hmm. going to match it with people around you if they are being muffled then you know that i might be next any time they can come they can come for me any time exactly so that apprehension is going to have a tremendous impact on your sense of control your sense of autonomy I think so you know fundamentally just being these many selves I I was reading this um I think I listened to Tyler Cohen on uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast if I'm correct and they were talking about how having these several tabs open and you're a different person in each tab yeah and then you wonder why on earth you're anxious <laughs> and you know I'm the crazy guy on Instagram the professional right. diva on LinkedIn and then the guru on email and obviously it's going to mess with you yeah. and beyond say political dissent and opinions i think fundamentally being 15000 people 
I know all all the world's a stage of we're actors, but beyond a point, having multiple identities is problematic, right? And I think one thing that's happened as a result of this whole pandemic is, well, a sort of uni- not a unification of self, but you're seeing me at in my room right now with a t-shirt on. I'm seeing you at home right now. We're not in a podcast studio where I'm wearing a shirt and sitting extra upright to indicate that I'm older, but equally strong you know no one's posturing um and that's been a shift that at least on some level you're seeing the person in their natural environment yeah it's these circumstances are quite have been quite strange in that sense because some of us are not ready to see people yeah. <laughs> with their yeah. dogs and, and husbands and wives and at home so as a young professional starting his career you started last year in yeah. fairly odd circumstances. Yeah. Um, has your outlook on life and work changed in any way? Or what was it like when you started? Um, while in college, you had these ideas of this, how I'm going to start my career, this is how my career is going to be. I mean, that went to hell for sure. <laughs> Were you going to have a startup? Was that your plan? No, I was not going to have a startup. But... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing anything that uh, that's a great deviation from what I had in mind, but it's just about how I wanted to do it. Um, I, I, I was really keen on mm-hmm. uh, having a team to work with, work them, work with them in person, right. uh, build a work culture together. But I, I think that all and building a work culture when you're working with the remote team for the first time, when you're working with them for the first time, gets even more challenging because there's no guidebook for that yet. So <laughs> <laughs> you. You gotta figure out things from scratch, and uh, it's 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 quite challenging. I've uh, uh, I've done my experiments. There have been a lot of ups and downs in terms of working with a remote team. Uh, it, it's been interesting, but I would say some of the toughest challenges are um, those tiny things, right? You. Many of our good ideas, even within this, many of our good ideas came out, uh, didn't come out of meetings uh, where we sat together and brainstormed, but came out of those late evening walks that we took, or maybe just, we have five minutes before the next class starts, and I really need a coffee to be awake for the next class. (laughs) Run for coffee while sipping the coffee, talk about something, and damn, we have an idea already, right? So it's sort of these informal conversations, it's sort of these uh, uh, informal catch-ups that we had really good ideas and also these are what kept us together uh, so i would say exactly that part was taken out in during the pandemic because the interactions that we have with your team was a scheduled call and those scheduled calls where you all are on the call waiting for someone else to join in then that person joins in and then you have the discussion you have an agenda flashing on your screen go point by point, finish the agenda, because at the end of the agenda, you're already a little exhausted from looking at the screen so much. So you get off the screen. And the next time you talk to someone else again is with an agenda list again. So um, that, I think, was a major uh, disappointment uh, while working with the remote team. Apart from this, I don't think it was very different. It was an interesting ride because... It, it's, it's also crazy how uh, we don't credit the tech industry for everything that they've done during the last two years. The healthcare did great. The healthcare went beyond the duty lines. But to keep the world running, I think 
the tech industry really stood up they really came up with products that can keep the world running i mean you know that that's the interesting part about this is whenever you have adversity now technology puts us in such a good position i mean there is so much uh, yeah negative bias towards it as well about the stresses it can place on us but like you said some of the things that really have in the past caused these issues are the ones that are really standing out as far as society is concerned and and you're not the first person to tell me that the lack of informal conversation is on some level stifling creativity it's stifling um those left yeah. field ideas yeah. but technology has played a part in at least opening up some That's interaction if not a huge amount what soft tech have you been using to yeah. fill yeah. the gap um so i needed a project management tool that that's really handy and uh, can go be, can adapt to the team's needs i i found notion very useful for that uh, have been a fan of notion for the last two years uh, if only if notion was a course i would have been a scholar by now oh right i think and, i have to have a chat with you i've been using notion for a while and i could use oh, some that's nice. primers but go on that's and i have a lot of theories about notion we should definitely chat up about it after this um notion is one then i have been uh, i mean obviously zoom and google meet for sure but what i also did was uh, i wanted to see what are the up and growing uh, platforms in video communication so that's when i came across something called jam jam is a mind blowing idea so uh, what jam does is um, it's a pop up window on the right side of your screen which is always there and mm-hmm. all your teammates are enlisted there so for you to get on a call with the team or with someone uh, individual from your team you need not send them a link all you need to do is click on click on the icon and the call is placed and even when the call is placed it's a video call right the video doesn't take the entirety of your screen there are two tiny bubbles at the top of your top of your screen so you can continue working and still talk to them oh. so the jam is not for long meetings jam is for those jam is trying to replace or bring back those uh, informal conversations or just <coughs> chats um, these informal chats while you can still work mm-hmm. uh, on jam you can share your screen and talk to other people but i think it's an incredible idea yeah mm-hmm. jam is one and then have been using zapier a lot to automate a lot of the things that i uh, i've been doing off late mm-hmm. uh, notion and webflow or notion and google calendar and a lot of things uh, all that i can using i'm trying to automate as much as i can so using zapier for that quite a lot and then have been uh, using webflow uh, quite a lot to move our digital assets uh, that also has been uh, really incredible in terms of how much uh, justice it can do to the designs rather than depend so much on the developer and the design being literally being at their mercy so that has been great and i think that's pretty much it i think webflow is stunning i mean it's webflow notion these things have taken conversations by storm and i i really yeah. think they're great tools have you heard of gather gather is um it's really interesting it's this little digital space you can walk around and the people little avatars in it and if you walk up to an avatar and it'll just open a video call automatically i've heard about this i've heard about this 
Yeah, there's a community called Word Loops that I was recently interacting with, and they use Gather. Right. And I just walked into someone. I didn't know how this thing worked, and then suddenly I hear a voice in my headphones saying "Hi there," and I said, "Jeez, <laughs> I had no idea this is on." And my camera was on, my mic was on, and all of a sudden I'm in a conversation with someone. So I think uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah. Nice. So tell me, this is not you know, tech is something you're really big on. People is something you're really big on. So. It's quite handy because a lot of your skills, I don't think accidentally, but almost through a serendipity, have come to a point where they're really useful and resilient for the next few years. Uh, but before we get into building skill sets and learning, I want to talk to you more about leadership and management. Now, you're in a unique position in that you start an organization with peers, largely. You've always been working with peers, but you've also been, maybe, I don't know if it's by design, or accident, you can tell me, but you have, so I don't know if it's by design or accident, and you can tell me this, you've had to play this, this de facto leader role as well. What is it like leading people the same age, the same level as you? Because, you know, hierarchies are loved in India. It's nicer to lead someone who's junior, who's younger, who's less experienced, but you guys are leading on the same page. What is, what is, what is the difference uh, doing that for you? Um. Well, it sure, it certainly wasn't by accident, right? It was very much by design where uh, when we started off as a team of 15 people and then we grew on to a team of nearly around 150 people uh, from Christ and from a couple of other universities. Um, so a very interesting, I, I, I would really say, I think I was fortunate here to have, uh, to have seen that happen. Um, a really fascinating thing was right from the scratch in the first couple of projects and events we figured each other out and i think we figured each other out because because we were peers there was room for that there was there was potential for that mm -hmm. we knew that this is how much prithvi can do but after this if he tries to do this is going to screw it up so that's where i need to come in and i need to take over there and uh, and we we're open about this right if it's a if it's if if we weren't peers, if there was already a hierarchy before any hierarchy can be made, that conversation wouldn't have been possible. I, I, there was so much room for me to say, do, I don't think you can do it. Let someone else do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's a very tough thing to say in a team. It's, it's very tough for you to walk up to someone and say, you suck at it. I don't think you should do it. But we had that room. So I knew where my capabilities are. I knew that this is what I can do and this yeah. is where I need to stop. And this is where the other person has to come in. And we figured each other out in the first two projects. We screwed up a couple of things. We screwed up a couple of projects, but that helped us figure each other out. So after having this figured out, it was very clear. It was never spoken about, but it was very clear that this person is going to take a call. When it comes to this, this person has a last call because we trust her intuition with that. Because that person has proven to be good at that. So we were, we were big on intuition as a team. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone has been assigned something, we try to lead, reach the logical end. But if we're not able to, then we bank on that person's intuition. And it has already worked in our favor. Uh, so this very deep understanding of each other within the team and uh, having a hierarchy, but knowing when to break it, that was very crucial. There were times where I was insisting that we push the dates for a while, mm -hmm. 
but uh, for the mental health conclave i was i was wanted to push it by a month because that wasn't the scale we were looking for we wanted a bigger scale but i was i was willing to push it for a month mm-hmm. and two people walked up to me and said there's no way we are pushing this because we have pushed it once already and mm-hmm. i really don't think we can push it anymore and i said i really wanted to push it but i said that's all right if 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 you really think we should not be pushing it we'll not push it three weeks after the mental health conclave was the lockdown yeah. when that hit me i'm like man i'm so glad we didn't so these intuitions right. have worked for us and yeah i would i would say it was mm-hmm. uh it it's it's like running on a razor blade working with peers having a hierarchy with within peers it can either go, it can either work wonders for you, it can it can be disastrous because another thing you need to realize is this is not a very formal team structure there's a very informal team structure you're not working for anybody you're working with each other um you have nearly no incentive to work for the team you're not being paid mm-hmm. you're not you're, you're not a, you're not a part of an organization you're not being asked to be a part of the team so yeah a hierarchy a put, put, putting a hierarchy in place that becomes even more tough because it, it's it's a very informal structure so that also worked in our favor the fact that we could not put a hierarchy mm-hmm. in place but there was an un, there was an unsaid understood hierarchy within the team that that worked in our favor I, i i think that's a brilliant model even for a startup if if it can ever work I think it is I mean assuming everyone's uh, intent is in the right place and people have the appropriate coping mechanisms for yeah. their personality quirks I yeah. think it it could work but now you've gone from that position to being in an actual team then I say actual I mean like a real world with yeah. actual incentives yeah. so this chemistry and camaraderie and comradeship is really useful to know each other but then sometimes it could perhaps help people cross wires yeah. uh, what is the What are the downsides? Are there downsides of that? And what are those? There are downsides, right? I mean, speaking from a very uh, capitalistic managerial point of view, <laughs> the pros there are that even if you're doing a shitty job, you can get someone to work with you. Simply because they're incentivized for that. Mm-hmm. Right? You can... Uh, now, switching to the... Uh, actual me i think that's the con there's there's no one to tell you that this is this is crap there's no one to tell you that this is i th- i think i think this is not going to work out or you shouldn't be doing this because as long as they're being incentivized for that they would their tolerance to bullshit increases yeah if they're not incentivized for that if they're there for exactly what you are there for uh, they have nearly no tolerance for bullshit right so uh that's one and the second thing is uh the hierarchy and the team structure which is a very formal team structure makes blunt conversations so much more difficult there's there's so much hesitation in the team to have mm-hmm. really blunt conversations and to uh and to put forth your thoughts it's i i find it disastrous that freshers or employees who have just joined us find it difficult and across the teams right find it difficult to wash out their ideas i think that's that 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 that's just insane 
nobody should be in a position like that that's also years of conditioning right we go through school and yeah, college yeah. and we get told we can't ask questions precisely yeah precisely and and that that's uh, that's not only costing creativity that's also having a an impact on the person's and on, on the person's self perception mm-hmm. and th- that cost is going to be paid by you because you've gotten the person for creativity and then you're muffling the same thing and how can we how do people work around that like i said building a flat structure in a team is really important there has to be a a clear hierarchy or say there has to be a, a hierarchy that people acknowledge but the hierarchy should not be carved on stone you need to know when to break you need to know when to break it you need to know when to exercise it you need you need to know when to shuffle it mm-hmm. when you know when you keep the hierarchy flexible when you keep the hierarchy when it's not set in stone that's when i think the hierarchy can be useful and not counterintuitive uh and with the teams what the team leader or the team manager does for the team goes a long way the rituals that you bring in the culture that you bring in because rituals is what defines the culture a ritual can be as simple as having breakfast together or having a 10 minute meeting where you don't talk about work but check in on each other and then get to work or having a meeting where you before you end your day you just reflect on your day you don't mm-hmm. just ask them how many tasks could you complete or how was the process did you have fun while working on it how, how can we improve on the collaboration aspect how can we how can we improve on brainstorming or it 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 could be as simple as going out on a walk with some of your teammates in between work all these rituals is what defines the culture and this can go a long way in 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 shaping how how the team is going to perform um I'm sorry I'm I've recently watched this interview so I can relate to this interview a lot with so many things the same interview uh, the former chief designer at Apple he was saying um, so he was talking about environment and how it can have an impact on creativity he said it's the same design which designed the first set of Macintosh which really didn't work which mm-hmm. designed the first set of Apple computers which really didn't work which didn't click with the market um which were which in my opinion now were really crappy designs but it's the same design when as soon as the management shuffled when jobs came in when we worked as a team with jobs yeah we brought some of the best designs in the world to life the team was the same the management approach and the managerial style was different that that difference is what led to this drastic difference in the design and creative aspect as well mm-hmm as much as creators and creatives would like to believe that i'm an independent person and my creativity is solely impacted by myself that's not the case your your teammates and your management your management plays a huge role in how creative you can be i i, I couldn't agree more i think that's so true when i was running agency teams we found that people who might initially be cynical or reserved would suddenly 3 months later transform into writers and ideators just being given the space to thrive and that's so important once the culture dies so does the motivation now you're with uh well it's not a non-profit you work with right um you handle product which is by itself quite as 
and intense exercise. So you're leading, you're managing, you're navigating, executing, watching these interviews with Apple's designer and coming up with ideas for culture. How are you balancing that with, uh, well, firstly, your own self-care and also then your learning and your skill development? How are you working out a balance or is it just, this is how I go about my day and these are the components. I don't have to balance them. Honestly, I've been having a tough time uh, balancing these. Mm-hmm. I've not, uh, I've not been able to achieve that yet. I'm, I'm grappling with those. I'm trying to uh, strike a fine balance. Uh, not been able to, but I'm, I've been trying really hard, right? <clears throat> with, uh, because the work in itself can be sometimes really unpredictable. You don't know when, uh, what, what comes up when, and. Uh, especially when you're dealing with product almost everything is a high priority task there is no not a high priority task and uh, so it, it gets stuff like that so I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to balance this out and i need to balance this out for very good reasons uh, because each of them are so interdependent i screw up at work my my self-development is impacted because my confidence has been impacted Mm-hmm. And I screw up at work. My self-care is obviously impacted because I'm not in the right headspace right uh, after that. I don't indulge in self-care. Then my productivity at work is impacted. Mm-hmm. My my uh, skill development is also impacted. I screw up at skill development. My productivity and my creativity at work is impacted. And my self-care is obviously impacted because I'm not performing well at work. Yeah. So these three are very interdependent. And... We often try to take it one by one. Let's say, let me let me sort things out at work. Then I'll indulge in self-care. And once I know that I'm indulging in self-care, I have more time to, for myself. Then I'll make time for skill development. It's it's a vicious cycle that's never going to complete a cycle. You have to, like I said, you have to say no to things and say, I'm, I'm going to do this now. Um, where and and also it's at least in the startup ecosystem everybody's running everybody's running they the it's unfair to say i don't have time they're they're not willing to have time for anything else because i've i've noticed in in many of the people i speak to uh, i i i just laugh inwardly at them because they they have a perception that the moment I do something that is not work-related, that is not related to my work, uh, I'm not spending enough time at work. They start feeling guilty about it. Mm -hmm. And that's just absurd. You're so obsessed with the image of being a a startup founder. A busy person. Yeah, a busy person, a startup founder. You have internalized it so much that the moment you do something that is not work, you start feeling guilty. Yeah, it's almost shame that you're not doing what you're supposed yeah. to be doing, which is hustling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it can't get any more toxic, and and you're just and you're ruining it for you and everybody else who's working working with you. If you can't indulge in skill development, if you're putting in so much time to keep your creative people creative, and you're not spending time on skill development, it's 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 a ticking time bomb. You're going to piss them off and you're going to be outdated pretty soon. Yeah, I think I was on this uh, 
call with the portfolio collective as a community I'm part of. And one thing they said was, if you stand still, right. you're in line for two things, being obsolete or making minimum wage. And the fact the matter is to keep moving, you have to be physically mobile, mentally agile, emotionally flexible. It's not just being able to type emails fast in fairly odd syntax. I think you have your work cut out for you. It's, an, it's, a, it's a challenge you've taken on and there's a lot to do by backing you to come through and come through well. Um, you know, I, I always thought this conversation is going to be this sort of punctuated conversation where it's literally impossible for us to go through every single thing that we want to talk about. And I see us, uh, yeah. if you're open to the idea, of course, having many more conversations about I would love to. These specific areas. Because you know what I've found, and guests have said this to me as well, is that as we talk, some things come to them that they might not have thought about or might not yeah. be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you started your career in this odd time. You've taken on this sort of bizarre squiggly path, which is you know from science to the arts in a way, to mental health, and now to like a semi-capitalist, technology-driven, culture-driven role in the mental health space. Yeah. But what is your vision, uh, Prithvi? Do you have an ideal life? Do you have a common thread that binds all this together or you hope will? Uh, so as I moved between uh, the streams, I also realized that uh, it's it, all of these are simply lovely. Uh, science in itself and arts and then tech, all, all of these, right? Um, the bad part is I have a tendency to develop a deep interest in the stream after I have left it. <laughs> oh, geez. That's, that's uh, the, the, the book of ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was doing science, all I would do is read books, read articles, read magazines. Uh, I would I would read all the all, all the magazines in my library, pick up all the classic literature books, and then I was like, arts is my thing. I have to I have to take up uh, arts and journalism. So that's when I switched from science science to arts. While I was in Christ, I happened to uh, uh, read about tech a lot. I also read about the advancements in tech, and I find them really fascinating. And that that's when I started developing a deep interest in that. And then I started uh, uh, exploring. So right now also I'm working with a few engineers, few of my um, uh, classmates from my science background, uh, where we're trying to build a couple of products. Um, that's been interesting as well. This is because while in Christ, I was really interested in tech. Now that I'm actually doing something with tech, that is using some of these products and to also try to build a couple of products, Nothing interests me like physics does now. <laughs> I find physics so fascinating because while I was working on these, when I when I, when I uh, talk to these engineers, they tell me some of the uh, concepts. They they introduce me to some of the physicists and their theories, and it, it's it's very fascinating. So I have this cycle of going between the streams. That that does not mean that I don't like the other streams anymore. I like them. I like I, I like them quite a lot even now, um, but yeah, I think it's it's good to flow between the streams rather than stick to one stream. I I find it very liberating. I find it especially liberating because the moment I get fed up with one of them, I can just go to the other one and talk to people from from there, and it it, it can be very liberating. 
So, th- so would that be the plan? Is to sort of follow your curiosity and build some transferable skills along the way? Is that the plan? No, while I indulge in all these streams, the plan will always remain to build products, build meaningful products mm-hmm. uh, that can that can scale and that can uh, strike a chord with uh, the audience that we have in mind. Building building products, I think, would be my way to go. And with Indust, uh, the idea is to amp up uh, social entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a startup is really cool. Uh, we work for you work a lot for a startup, but trust me, uh, starting an NGO is not not any easier. It's uh, it's it's equally tough, and very often they don't get the credits. Um, I'm I'm not talking about interest at all because what we did was very at a very small scale. But there mm-hmm. are NGOs who are, who have been working all their life uh, to make something happen, and they don't get enough credit for that. Uh, I, I think. A fine balance between that and a startup would be social entrepreneurship. I'm I'm, I'm trying to explore uh, the uh, limits of social entrepreneurship and also to make it a fairly viable and uh, attractive one for students to take up. Hmm. My my goal would be students and social entrepreneurship. Very cool. And what keeps you motivated, man? Where do you get all this energy from? Besides the fountain of youth, which I'm gradually losing sight of. <laughs> Thanks for that. I guess <laughs> uh, it's 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 simply like I said. I'm 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 being very honest with this. It's it's majorly the self gratification part because it's it's so it's so uh, rewarding to be in that process. Forget forget completing it or forget uh, finishing it. It's it's just that uh, creative zeal when you're doing something and the people that you uh, engage with. That's nothing can get better than that. Finding the right people, finding people who are passionate about their craft. Forget the product. They may or may not be passionate about the product. But if you're working with the designer for your product, and if that person is not is not so passionate about design that he can be perceived as a lunatic, then you're not working with the right person, at least with me. Uh, I make it a point. Be it design, be it video content creation, be it someone writing the content, or be it someone... Um, uh, coding the platform for me if if they're not illogically passionate about their field then i don't I, i'm not really excited about working with them because it's only that that mm-hmm. passion is contagious it, it it can be amazing to work with them yeah i like that you call it illogically passionate i think uh, there's an element of belief and i think when you have belief in a system it's easier to pull together yeah uh, whereas if you're just doing it for material incentives it's a bit tougher i'm not saying it's not possible yeah i've got the gold rush it's just a bit tougher uh what's a good day for you man uh what what, what do you think is a good day for prithviraj a good day for me would uh, be a decent day at work that is be productive enough not not very productive be productive enough and uh nothing uh delights me like a good conversation with someone having a long good long conversation because that that feels like it's a a stop gap in my life right where uh, you're running all throughout the day you're trying to make things happen you're trying to talk to people to with an intent in mind i'm talking to someone because i want to get this task done this way or i'm talking to this person because i'm trying to mm-hmm. convey what I have in mind to that person so that that person replicates exactly that. 
when you're having a good long conversation you just have no idea where this conversation is going you don't have a intent in mind and you're just mm-hmm. letting your brain free and and it's like it's like you're it's like sending your mind on a walk and just exploring what happens see see around and <laughs> it's a long one so that that's a uh, that that also means that you're taking your mind off your um it, it breaking the inertia of your everyday thing and having a good chat that mm-hmm. that would be a good day uh but nothing can make me a, nothing can make it a good day if there's no coffee involved so <laughs> long chat over coffee i guess yeah i like that an efficient day at work a meandering chat and some coffee that sounds all right and what is the bad day for you prithvi hmm uh i think a bad day would be when uh, <laughs> no you know when i saw it in the notes i uh, i tried to answer it i couldn't answer it so i thought i'll get back to it then i never got back <laughs> do you not have bad days have you been made in a lab <laughs> i i do have i do have bad days but it's it's like i like i can point out this can make a good day i can't point out this can make a bad day uh, right. there are there are plenty bad days but what makes them i'm really not sure maybe a really bad day at work or or not trying or uh, not being able to uh, you know it's interesting one to observe even even for when we want things we're very clear what we don't want and some people are very clear about not clear about what they want um a good day a lot of my friends say as well oh if i had these three four things happen it's a great day and i say what's a bad day i said well those things not happening but that doesn't work so what <laughs> you know what it's a really interesting question to think about in general i think yeah and i i think what can really cause uh, what can really lead to a bad day is uh, not having enough sleep oh yeah that, sure. that can screw up my day and and something and some days where i sleep for 8 hours but wake up feeling like i haven't slept at all man that, that that's that's daylight robbery i slept okay. <laughs> 9 hours that sleep you owe me that sleep that i've given you that time and you wake up and you feel like i've not slept enough you're sleeping yeah. for two of the day that's that that's awful i hate this thing and it's such a massive difference right you feel so suboptimal all day it's yeah it's right not... right and and you want to just call the day off and i think you should just i think you should, you should. do that i think yeah i slept enough but not well enough needs to be a sick leave criteria yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, so now you've done a bunch of things, man. You've uh, we've talked about that. What is your message to people confused about a path to take? I ask this because a lot of people, you know, I like that you reference uncertainty in the conversation earlier. I mean, that's the fact of life. You might regret things. End of the day, if you had a job offer at the same time you started Indest, and the guy who took that job, which sucked at the time, just exited with two million, you're yeah. thinking, oh god. but the same guy two days later falls off a cliff because he's taking a selfie and you're thinking fantastic obviously not but tell <laughs> me <laughs> so, what what is your message to people who are a bit confused about what do i do how do you pick um uh, i i don't know if it's just with my generation or if it's with other generations as well but a very common trend and when i say common it's it's literally everyone uh 22 23 years old and i have i have been there too we feel like it's either now or never 21 is over 
<laughs> the moment mm-hmm. 21 is over it's really now or never because you got to be a, a, a rich startup founder by 30 or you nothing i i i find that really logical and this is also what leads to that anxiety of what do i pick what do i pick that will keep me afloat for the next for the rest of my life mm-hmm. i really don't think 22 23 right after your undergrad is the time when you need to take that call because that's also the time when you really have to go out and explore so i would i would say uh, take some time off uh, see the, see what are the things that interest you and talking really helps talk to as many people as you can you need not talk to uh, experts because i don't know who's an expert when it comes to this you just have to talk mm-hmm. to people and try to figure out what is that interests you and have have a chart out a plan that i'm going to try this for 3 months regardless i'm going to try something else for 3 months and then see where my heart lies and then take it up i think you got to have that year or two or else because it's so easy for you to take up something and believe that it that that that, that is the right profession for you and get stuck with that for a very long time it's very easy for that to happen yeah. but again uh, you can't be impatient with anything you you just can't be impatient with anything because it's you never know how the work will turn around but you got to have your you cannot lock yourself up with one profession at least at this age yeah i think i think yeah 100% uh, consistency and persistence and, and i think committing when you do something for in for 3 months really yeah. giving it a good crack it can't be that you know i'm going into yeah. a startup watching netflix on the side then have a chat with my friend and say maybe your chat with your friend on instagram yeah. sucked the work was fine <laughs> you know <laughs> just that you had a bunch of boring conversations or maybe you're a boring person yeah. just read a bit more that's one thing you know people say life is boring i said yeah. ever thought the fact that you are boring yeah. yeah because you don't read much and all you can talk about is why your <laughs> amazon delivery is late i, I so yeah I, i mean at this age if you are not spending a good amount of your time exploring things by exploring i mean reading listening to podcasts listening to music and uh, indulging in art or maybe learning a few new things uh, you're a boring person then and think nothing is going to excite you. you you really got to explore build your niche i think it's across age groups you know prithvi i mean when i was working in a corporate setup um well I wouldn't say high up but running teams etc that's not been the situation the last 4 5 years i've been on my own and uh, i've seen that that's sort of learning is critical throughout you know yeah. you don't get like a magical interesting card once you cross 30 and saying this person is now officially interesting all the time <laughs> you know yeah. you have and, to keep moving and same people right i've i've seen a pattern uh, those who never read or uh listen to podcasts or uh, indulge in uh building their skills also the same people who think that if there is an issue all i need to do is think and let my intuition take care of it they do not <laughs> consider the fact that maybe i need to talk to people and to read upon case studies or see how this can be solved in different ways what are the different approaches what is the rush <laughs> give it some time right they think all i need to do is close my eyes think about it and i can come up with a solution yeah. focus my breath and the answer will emerge <laughs> but uh, 
The problem is you can't make a cupcake out of grass and dung. Yeah. I mean, well, you can. It just <laughs> won't be great to eat, I guess. For, not for most of us. But tell me this. You're not, oddly enough, you have a lot of interesting things to say. You have your finger on the pulse, but you're not very active on any social yeah. media platform. So, is that by the consciously or you just don't have no, the time? No, very consciously. Uh, I have all the time for it. I had, uh, I, in fact, <laughs> I spent so much time on it. That's also why I'm trying this out. So um, I've never been very active on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, even on Instagram, mm-hmm. I was never active, but I would consume a lot of content. Um, so right. in terms of putting out content, never, but consuming content a little too much uh, recently. Uh, that's also when I mm-hmm. started asking myself, why is this happening? Um, why is this insatiable need to consume so much of content? Where is this stemming from? So then one of my theories was that because it, uh, the insatiable need is stemming from the fact that there's uh, infinite amount of content that's potentially at your hands. And if there's one thing that we as humans are engineered to hate, that's uncertainty. I mean, that's where existentialism also stems from, I guess. So if owing to this, what I end up doing is I follow as many accounts as I can. I follow as many people as I can. And I keep consuming that content day in, day out. uh, Because at the back of my mind, I always know that there's so much more available. That's why I said, what if I turn this finite? I told myself, what if I can follow only 20 accounts? If I find another account interesting, mm-hmm. I need to follow one of the already following accounts and to unfollow one of the already following accounts to follow another person. I need to make room for a new page mm-hmm. to be followed. And I've been doing that for a, for over two months now. Incredibly rewarding. Right. I, don't have that, I don't have that urge to go back to Instagram whenever I have nothing to do. It, this really hit me when I uh, was in a meeting with someone and the person said, I'm just going to use the loo. Uh, the person went and the very immediate thing I did was take out my phone and scroll on Instagram. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why am I doing this? I'm in a public space. Just because I don't have company does not mean I need to go back to Instagram. If there's no company, I, I can just sit, look around, think, or maybe just talk to myself. It need not be Instagram all the time. So... And ever since I uh, started following just 20 pages, I found that I don't have this need to go back to Instagram. In fact, I, I think my usage has dropped nearly, nearly by 90%. Incredible. That, that's really handy. I think it's so true that you have to watch your consumption. I mean, what I do is once I post, I un- uninstall. Then I install it back to post and uninstall again. <laughs> um, and occasionally I find myself using the browser to go and check, see what's up. But I just said, and uh, Instagram browser experience is yeah, so miserable yeah. that literally, even if you follow 5,000 pages, you will not spend <laughs> time on it. <laughs> no, I like that. So tell me what, uh, if you, if you're on social media platforms, uh, I'm not going to put your phone number, obviously on, on a podcast description. Should I put your email on it? Sounds good. Wicked. And what sort of conversations do you want to have with people if they reach out to you? Uh, text me for anything. Uh, I mean, m- drop me a mail if, if you want to talk to me about uh, product development or any any of the books that you have been reading or music. Music would be great. Uh, define the genres. It would be <laughs> classic rock, rock, metal, or... Wicked. Yeah, that's it, I guess. 
and apart from music tech and um, product i would also be keen on talking about uh, uh, manage management styles relationships all of these i'm very much up for a chat for those excellent i think we have the subject for the rest of our uh, podcast episodes when we speak next time prithvi <laughs> Listen, uh, I could talk to you for hours, I think. Unfortunately, like you said, consumption and conversation That's are right. finite. But uh, thank you for a very interesting chat. This is lovely. And uh, it was, it was. And I'm hoping to have you on again soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, very well assured that I'm going to have a great day today <laughs> because I've had a great conversation in the morning. So I'm going to be in good mood all throughout, I guess. Exceptional. I'm glad to have been part of that. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Oh, hello, my sweet little succulents. Well done on finishing another episode of The Maximum Project. Thank you so much for joining me this time. I took a lot away from this episode and I hope you took away a few nuggets too. Uh, if you love what you hear on here, I'm also on Instagram where we stick some daily affectionate messages on. I also send out a weekly newsletter every Wednesday which is also when the podcast will start coming out from now on. That way you get the newsletter and you get first dibs on the podcast. So that's a little fun bit. Listen, if you like what you hear, I'd love for you to spread the word. It'll be nice to get a few people listening in, eh? because I do think we're speaking to people who otherwise might be a bit tricky to find. Right, until I see you next time, stay wicked, stay awesome, stay inspired. Let's get maximum. Bye. Bye. Chats, chats, banter, insights, only on TMP. All so you can make the most of you. Let's, let's get maximum. maximum.